goodness. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. Live feed, 6 o'clock. Is it up, Nathan? I think. Is that the thumbs up? Oh, live feed. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. always so subtle. You he is, that? man. He's, he's very subtle. But, but that's why we love him. So. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't want it any other way. All right. A hard question series continues um, tonight. Uh, and tonight, the question is... <laughs> Bing, 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 bing. We have a winner. And I know Jim Winchester was the one that put this question out there. I know he's the one that did it. Is it okay to dance in church? He's shaking his head no. Jim Winchester put that question out. Yes, you did. The mystery did, will remain. If it wasn't you, it was Jack Cantrell or it was Bruce Fowl. One, one of the two. Oh, I, know, I know who it was. Okay, you know, after such a serious topic last time, I feel like, I feel like having this one's kind of yeah. nice. Now, yeah. now let, let, me, let, me give a, let me give you just a... Um, uh, a statement before we, before we start this for those of you that are watching uh, on live feed hopefully there's some of you out there uh, you may be asking yourself this question why are we asking this question <laughs> uh, okay and, and let me just I explain to you because we don't we don't give this intro explanation every single night that we do Wednesday night Bible study because most people that are members here have been tracking we've been doing this for months and and we do it for a long time to be sure there's consistency and that you get a good, full understanding of what, we're, of what we're talking about. This was asked by one of our church members anonymously. We didn't ask people to put their name on the questions. Mm -hmm. And so for weeks, we had boards up in, in the vestibule out there, and we had people put questions that they wanted to ask. And so, we, I mean, we, no holes barred. We let people ask anything they wanted to ask. And, and some of the questions were kind of in the same realm, so we kind of mm -hmm. blended them together a little bit or kind of in the same category. And so we did not want to avoid any of the questions, no matter how controversial or silly-sounding they may be, uh, because somebody in this church put that question up there, okay? Yeah. So, so serious to so, them. So somebody, somebody yeah. is serious about this question, and so we took this question seriously about dancing. And we have answered some pretty hard questions. We have answered some I would hard say. questions. Wouldn't there you all whole... agree? I mean, we've wrestled with some yes. hard questions in here together, right? Not That's just right. me and him, but the you know, whole all of point us. of the series w w was to was to give you an opportunity to ask questions that you've always wanted to know the answer to. And of course, the troubling part of that is there's not always a real easy to those hard questions, which is yeah. why they are what? Hard, hard questions. Hard questions. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yep. All right, so Colton, take it away and uh, right. we'll have some fun. All right, can you hear me? Is D Dick Peach okay. is not here, is he? I was hoping Dick would be Man, here. Man, brother, brother We asked Dick. him to dress up like Elvis and come dance for us tonight. You know, he's the he one always up in the choir, you know, you know, about to, you know, Grooving ascend around. into heaven. So Dick God's about to take him home, around, or he's begging you know. God to take him home. He's That's always right. the one dancing and jumping. So, so, yeah, the question tonight is, is it okay to dance in church, okay? So, uh, past our lovely little slide here. Uh, Who knows uh, is what it, movie is that from? But loose. That's right. That's right. So is it wrong to dance in church? And uh, I think there's going to be a lot of things we're going to say about this. Not just is it wrong to dance in church. We're also going to consider is it wrong to dance in general, that kind of thing, and just kind of go over the whole smorgasbord of the theology of the dance. Um, so along with dancing. Theology of the dance. I <laughs> of the like dance. that. Did you like that? The theology of the dance. Uh, so is dancing church wrong? Uh, along with dancing, we will consider music and all of its various forms since they always come together. Uh, as we look at the question of dancing in church, we will also consider uh, what forms of music may or may not be uh, appropriate in church as well. So, you know, obviously you can't really have dance or you're gonna look really awkward and kind of silly, honestly, if you're dancing without the music, okay? I have heard of the silent discos. Anybody heard of the silent discos? I have never heard of the silent discos. I have seen, I have witnessed the silent disco and I will tell I have you- no idea what you're talking about. I did not want to be a part of that at all because it looked very, very awkward. We need music uh, when we dance. And so we will consider uh, various forms of music and talk about that uh, as well. Uh, it's also, it is important to keep in mind that the styles and types of dance are so vast that we need to consider what style, uh, what styles, if any, might be acceptable in church and which are not. Are all styles of dancing prohibited uh, or are there some styles that are acceptable? Okay, so I think that's a pretty fair uh, thought as yeah. we think through this. Uh, this topic is so complex, or is complex, and contains so many variables: uh, age of dancers, style of clothing, speed of movement, music style, lyrics of songs, 
uh, setting of music and dancing, uh, interaction between others, uh, other dancers, are just a few of the aspects that could be considered along with this question. Okay, and so one thing, one thing to note there is that this is a very subjective topic as well. Mm -hmm. And when I say subjective, it's, it's, it's the, the person's own interpretation of what's right and what's wrong versus objective, which is uh, objective truth is just truth that stands on its own. Subjectivity is when we see something and we judge ourselves based off of our own opinion whether we think something's right or wrong. And so there's a lot of subjectivity that comes into this topic and so we're gonna try to bring it back into scripture and see what God has to say about it because somebody may say, well, because that music is fast beat or has a fast tempo, it's wrong, right? And it's like, well, you know, we want to be careful how we, you know, say that because maybe the fast-tempoed song is talking about Jesus, you know, and, and really this kind of happens when we talk about what uh, genre of music. Can anyone take a guess where this conversation usually goes today? Is that music, that style of music is completely inappropriate. Rock and roll is, is definitely one. The style of rock and roll we talk about, that's devil music, so what else? Okay. Oh, acid rock. I mean, that's that is a whole nother level. Thank you, Deb. Absolutely. Let the record show that Debbie Haygood said that acid, acid rock, rock was not biblical. The fact that that was said tonight is awesome. Yeah. Uh, rap, rap. Well, I think right? Led Zeppelin was considered acid rock for a while. Okay. I think it was, if I remember correctly. Heavy metal. Heavy metal. Yeah. Heavy okay. metal. Okay. But see, and, there, and so th this is the point. There's some subjectivity here. And, uh, right. you know, some people are going to hear Christian rap and they're going to say, well, the, 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 the beat, the tempo, the speed of it all, the way that they talk is just still really aggressive and I think it's wrong. And so you can see already where, you know, the subjective viewpoints, I mean, there's, it's just various wide-ranging opinions about this uh, topic. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of personal, well, I, that's what I hit. Yeah. So. Yeah, this, this was just a, I, I kind of expanded on Colton's question uh, and just went to a broader topic, is, is dancing wrong? So that's one other consideration that we need to consider, not only dancing in church, but is dancing in general wrong? Is it wrong for believers to dance no matter the venue? And I put, well, dot, 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 <laughs> right? Well, it depends, he's kind of covered some of this. Mm -hmm. It depends on what type of dancing and what type of music. This is where the subjectivity comes in, okay? So I just was curious, who here danced at their wedding if you're married? I did, Angie and I cut a rug, let me tell you. We okay? did too. Who, other, who had others dance at their wedding, okay? Wonderful. Who has been on a cruise with your spouse or family member and dance? I don't know why I specified cruise. I just know that, you know, what happens on the cruise stays on the cruise, right? Okay. That's just a joke. I'm just live feed. I'm just, I'm, we're just no, trying to engage everybody. True, All right, is it wrong for teenagers to dance at a prom? That's a question that needs to be asked. Yeah. Is it wrong for adults to go to clubs and dance? Okay, the, the, all this kind of fall, falls into this. Is it wrong for children and adults to learn how to dance recreationally or professionally? Okay, these are all questions that kind of that kind of branch out of this dancing question for Christians. Okay, just wanting to open it up. Now, there's another. There's two. When you when you start talking about worship, throughout history, there's been two camps of of like how we determine what is okay to do in a worship service. And these two camps are, are, are derived from the Bible. One of them is called the regulative principle, regulative, we're from Mississippi, regulative, regulative, whatever. The other one is called the normative principle. And I'm just gonna read these for you so you'll be familiar with them, okay? The regulative principle of worship maintains that scripture gives specific guidelines for conducting corporate worship services and that churches must not add anything to those guidelines. For example, churches following the regulative principle in worship often do not use musical instruments, <gasps> right? Since there is no New Testament command or example that would warrant their use in church. I know that's shocking, but that's true. The normative principle is the idea that anything not expressly forbidden by scripture can be used in corporate worship. One of the foundational differences is that the former considers the Bible's instructions as a strict code of conduct, while the latter sees them as principles to follow. Both hold to the truth of God's word, but they differ on whether or not it clearly establishes an unalterable blueprint for corporate worship. So, and, and as always, me, 
uh, in, in my theological journey, whenever I've been put against two different, you know, two different uh, principles, I typically fall smack dab in the middle of both of yeah. them. And, and I'm always going to go to Scripture to, to, to get my directives from in pastoring a church, making decisions for the body of Christ, and so forth. But in this case, in worship, it is... I mean, the way we do worship today, is that the way it's always been done throughout Christian history? No, I guarantee you it's no, not. No. So, so th- that's why fighting over worship is silly. I mean, I mean, it really can yeah. be silly. Unless it is something that is completely ungodly and expressly forbidden in Scripture, you don't need to be so quick to judge and so quick to pounce, is, right. is, is what I would say. Right. So back to you. Yeah, and, and, and something else to mention with these two points, the regulative principle and the normative principle. Um, you know, as long as we're not in danger zone, as long as we say you're okay to have that view. And so we'll just go ahead and mention it like the Church of Christ, right? They, they would say, hold to that re- regulative principle that because it's not condoned in the New Testament, we just don't use it, right? And so... Or instructed, like explicitly instructed. Right, yeah. right. And so as long as they don't look at me, uh, who loves instruments in worship and loves to worship the Lord with instruments and song and music and all that kind of stuff... Uh, as long as they don't say, well, you are doomed to hell because you're listening to music and worshiping to music that is accompanied by instruments. Now, that goes into a whole other uh, category where we're talking about justification and what justifies you. And what book deals with that? Does anyone remember? What book? Romans? De- yes, Romans deals with that very explicitly. But what other book really comes hard against that? One of Paul's books. Galatians. Galatians, that's right. Yeah, Galatians, he comes strong against that, and he says, if you accept, the, uh, if you accept circumcision, um, then you'll be cut off from the Lord. And so we can't make that a principle of, of uh, salvific, uh, salvific nature, so uh, is the warning there. Okay, yep. evolution of the dance. Yeah. So, <laughs> you like the dance? Yeah, well, now what we did here, and I'm going to go kind of fast through this, because I want to spend a whole lot of time on this, but I was... I was overwhelmed by the number of dances that there are, the amount of time that humanity has been doing this, the amount of energy and creativity that mankind has put into this. And I think it, I think it says something about how much of a part of our life it is that there, that there are so many and it's so deeply enmeshed in who we are as, as humans. So what is dancing, number one? Uh, Webster Dictionary, that's just where I went there. To move one's body rhythmically is usually to music and to engage in or perform a dance. You ever heard uh, somebody say, man, that guy really has rhythm? Like Nathan McFarlane, that guy really has rhythm. The band members, most of the band members that are up here, they're up there because they have like a, like a natural rhythm. They, can, they, just, they don't really have to count the beats. It just comes naturally to them. That, they'd probably all be good dancers, although we won't you know, get them to prove that. Hate you hate dancing, Nathan? Okay, I'm, I am so sorry to include you in that. <laughs> you love music. <laughs> so you're like Elvis. You just move the pinky. I understand. All right, so when did dancing begin? M- most scholarly resources that I looked at said ancient Egypt about 4,000 years ago. I thought that was really interesting. Uh, every, everywhere I looked, Egypt, 4,000 4, years ago. So I, I don't know if everybody is referring to the same source. I mean, we don't have hours to look into the, you know, the origins of dancing, but, but I thought that was probably a pretty safe bet that, that that's correct. So why do we dance? Um, basically three reasons. Uh, self-expression. Uh, worship is a huge one, believe it or not. Polytheism and polytheism, uh, as we know, uh, I mean, we see that in Indian tribes. I mean, they do all types of dancing and whatnot. Uh, so self-expression, worship, and then social interaction as well. Uh, so these are the three, main, uh, the three main reasons why we dance. And then how many types of dancing are there? Uncountable. I mean, I really could not believe it. So I found this one yeah. website. Colton, if you'll go forward, yep. called, uh, called dancefacts.net. And I'm just going to kind of, yeah, just go ahead and pull them on okay. out there. The waltz, who's ever heard of the waltz before? Okay. Um, I've never heard of the, the v, v, Viennese or whatever. I don't know how you say that. But the much faster waltz, the tango, who's heard of the tango before? You've heard of that. Oh, the tango. The cha-cha-cha, I've never heard of that. I've heard that term used before. The rumba, I've heard that. That's a, a Cuban dance with, with more hip movements. I, 
The samba uh, is from Africa and Brazil. The mambo is from Cuba. The quick step, that was interesting, is a, from New York. and was a combination of several dances, the Charleston, slow variation of the foxtrot, and so forth. Uh, and all these are ballroom dancing, by the way. Any ballroom dancers here? You've done Luke? A little bit. Luke Sprague, says a little, done a tiny some ballroom bit. dancing. All right. And then you've got the jive, the boogie-woogie, and that's from Latin America. That's 176 beats per minute. That's a lot. Mm. Then the bolero, which is another form of rumba. That's ballroom dancing. Then we've got the African-American and traditional jazz dances. And that's exactly how they listed it. Uh, the Charleston. I remember. Who remembers that one? Are we, you are we supposed to dance yet? Uh, we haven't answered the question. Well, I mean, I was going to, but you stopped me, so I guess I won't now. <laughs> but we actually had a, I remember we had a bachelor ball one time in Greenville, Mississippi, back years ago with the Junior Auxiliary, and uh, they, they had a Charleston-themed uh, thing, and everybody dressed like the 20s, and it, it was really neat, we all, and we all learned the Charleston. Uh, the swing, and, the, and, and within the swing, you have the Lindy Hop, the Jitterbug. I've heard of the Jitterbug the before. Jitterbug. And the rock and roll. Then we have tap dance. And tap dance uh, came around during the Prohibition era in the United States. And it was originally, that should say, created by African slaves. And it's one of the most popular forms of dance worldwide. Angie loves to tap dance, loves it. And then we have the infamous, what? Oh. Who knows what that is? The moon. Who started that? Who brought it to prominence? Yeah, Michael Jackson back in 83 was the one that brought that to prominence. And we have the boogie-woogie in the 30s and 40s. Keep going. And then we have the uh, worldwide dances. You've got the salsa. You've got the flamenco. That's a Spanish dance that fuses singing and guitar playing and dance and hand claps. And it's one of the most widely known dances out there. You've got the polka. Who's heard of the polka before? Everybody's heard of the polka. It's pretty, pretty popular. Then you've got country western, folk dance. Of course, who's heard of the belly dance before? Yeah. We've all heard of that. Gypsies pretty much made, made that prominent. Uh, belly dance, I don't think, would be a good dance in the church. Would uh, y'all agree with that? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, well, I think we could all agree on that. that one out. Yes, yeah. yes. Then you have the professional performance dance, and most of this came out of the Italian Renaissance. You've got ballet, and I think all of us have probably been to a ballet before. They're really beautiful uh, and, and very, very highly disciplined, technical yeah. uh, dancing that they do. Very classical, very moving. Mm-hmm. Then you've got contemporary dance, concert dance, modern dance, tap dance. All those are kind of blended into that. Uh, your modern dances, you've got the house, and I have no idea what that is. I looked some of these up that if I didn't know. Uh, that was from New York and Chicago club scene, I would, I would, I would assume in the early 20th century. Uh, now, I'm more familiar with the punk and the rave and disco because when I went to college, uh, that, that was what was going on in the bar scene uh, back when I was lost and I wouldn't believe her yet. I, I heard all of those terms, punk, rave, and disco. Uh, the punk is an extension of 60s uh, garage rock and involves energetic and sometimes violent forms of dancing. Y'all have heard of the mosh pit? You ever heard of the mosh pit before? slam dancing, you know what that was? They'd get a running start and hold their hands like this and jump up in the air and crash into each other, you know, trying to hurt each Sounds other. Sounds painful. Yes. Yeah. And then the rave, the rave dancing, and then the, and everybody's heard disco. Where's the modern-day VBS? The modern-day VBS would probably not be in any of these, <laughs> okay. uh, I wouldn't say. And, of course, disco, who's heard disco? And what movie brought that to prominence? Staying Alive, absolutely, with, with John Travolta. Put him on the map. All right, go ahead. Then you've got the hip-hop and the funk dance, uh, break dancing. Who remembers that when break dancing hit the scenes? All kind of but, but disappeared now. Then you've got bounce, electric, boogaloo, street jazz, juking, locking, and popping. So all, all this stuff is just, um, you know, it's just, it's, it's humanity's way of, of expressing their gifts and talents through dancing. And yeah. so I think the fact that it's, that it's a huge part of our culture, you know, says something. And we know, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if we'll get to all of it tonight, because, uh, of course, tonight we, um, uh, you know, we'll probably have two, two nights of this. But um, there is biblical precedent for dancing. I mean, it's, it's yeah. not, um, I, I believe that, that the reason why it has been demonized would you agree that it's been demonized to a certain degree? Uh, I mean, I, I, I was raised up uh, knowing that, 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 you know, Christians didn't dance or people in the church didn't dance. And I just was like, man, I love to dance. I, well, and, I just must be terrible. And we're going to get into, we, we really tried to mix it up a little bit tonight and have fun with this topic tonight. We've got a few uh, 
examples, illustrations, a little bit of history for yeah. you about kind of where Baptists uh, traditionally have viewed, which I think you probably already know where that's going anyway. But um, just to kind of give you guys a, a full orb view of, you know, the interpretation of dancing. Um, and I guess we could segue to this next slide here on yeah. that note. Yeah. Um, Starting with, uh, I guess, our spiritual ancestry, uh, talking about the Jewish nation, talking about Israel. And, um, you know, they worship, although they don't believe in Jesus as the Messiah, they worship Yahweh. And uh, they just don't, they worship, uh, you know, one third of Yahweh. So we need, we need the, the, the other two thirds there. But, but anyway, so, you know, I guess we made this connection tonight to say if the Jewish nation believes that dancing is acceptable in some form or fashion, then maybe there's some credence to, to, to dancing being okay. Um, and so if we can pull this video uh, up and make it work, uh, that'll be a lot of fun. So just to see dance demonstrated by please. Thank you. Good Jewish evening, wedding. gentlemen, and welcome here this evening. No Shelby, you need a yarmulke jokes. You hear me? <laughs> None of that. I mean, there's a lot of movement going on there. Some leg crossing. They're swinging around, I mean, like a pendulum. My favorite part is... There it is. There we go. <laughs> All right. She looks like she's terrified for her life, but other than that, <laughs> I wonder if she's strapped into that chair. Oh, I think she's holding, I think on, she's for holding on for dear life. Yeah, yeah that's right. She's gone into cat mode. So anyway, just to demonstrate that you know our our you know Jewish. Uh, you know, I can't say brothers and sisters, but at least the Jewish nation uh, who believes in Yahweh, calls out to Yahweh as, as their God, they believe that, you know, dancing is acceptable. Not only that, it's very celebratory, uh, just like you were saying, Shelby. Mm -hmm. I think there is something to dance in our culture. Um, and I think part of that is to, it's an expression. It's an expression of celebration. It's an celebra it's a expression of um, maybe even love, joy, excitement, these types of things. And so um, it is very important to the culture around us, at least for sure. So, um, okay, so this is kind of our little Baptist history lesson. And um, it's kind of tucked into a story, so hopefully you'll like this. Uh, Baptist early attitude toward dancing. The year was 1817, and an eyewitness recounted Brother uh, Lancaster, a member of uh, Powelton Baptist Church, rendered himself obnoxious to discipline by allowing the young people at his house to dance at his daughter's wedding. The dancers conducted themselves with decorum and dancing. Pastor Jesse Mercer, who presided over the case as moderator, introduced the case to the congregation, explaining the rules of the judici uh, judicatory. Judicatory. I think, think I'm saying that right. Judicial. And delineated the reasons why uh, fiddling and dancing should be considered immoral. He explained that modern dancing was sensual and licitious. Um, and <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you, you all for thanks for the out. assist yeah. there. Uh, and it would be impossible for Christians uh, embarking upon a dance to invoke the blessing of God by prayer. He urged the church to settle the vexed question of dancing uh, once and for all. Okay, so this was in 1817, and, uh, you know, this pastor, Jesse Mercer, he was a very uh, well-known pastor of his day. Uh, this wasn't just some, you know, random guy out in the boons. Uh, a lot of people knew him, respected him, and so his word carried a lot of weight. And so you can know that the attitude toward dancing, at least in our Baptist heritage, was... Uh, was very low, uh, very lowly considered. And so anyone who allowed dancing, anyone who, like Lancaster, allowing it, you know, the young people at his house to dance at his daughter's wedding um, was frowned upon and deserving of church discipline in our Baptist heritage uh, mindset. So be sure so, get, to get that in your mind now. This was not at a church-sanctioned building 
this was at in the privacy of someone's home after a wedding, correct? Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. So, so it, w- it was fiddling and dancing after a wedding at the reception. And it became an issue of church discipline and brought before the church. The pastor probably drafted a narrative with names, uh, had, a, had a congregational meeting, read those names out, and confronted it before the church. How do you think that would go over today? Church split, perhaps? Yeah, yeah probably not very so. well. Probably not so. Very well. Uh, the pastor would probably beat up in the parking lot, honestly. Uh, yeah. But, but, but anyway, so why would, but, but let's, let's ask this question. Let, let's, let's go one step deeper. Let's give the pastor the benefit of the doubt here and, and ask this question. Why do you think it was considered such a big deal and such a sin or such a danger? What'd she say? Because <laughs> an, un- an unwholesome fiddling, song coming out of his melody. Uh, the fiddling melody. was terrible and hurt everybody's ears. <laughs> Maybe. That's, Maybe. Not, that's so. not bad. So Jim Winchester has his hand raised up. Here comes the microphone. Mike, Mike's got the microphone. Got the hold, mic on, hold on, hold on. So live feed people can hear it. We gotta have, Jim, we've got to hear this wisdom. Yeah, the live feed people yeah. need, to, need to hear as well. Into the microphone. <clears throat> make sure it's the guy explains the reason you know he did it is because it was considered immoral he explained that modern dancing was sensual and lascivious and it could become impossible for christians embarking upon a dance to invoke blessing to of god by prayer so in other words in, in his mind which he was probably the lascivious one in his mind it was wrong because to him it was immoral. Yeah. But the people dancing, I'm sure they thought it was fun. Okay. So and it all kind of depends on what point of view you're coming from. Right. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't want to include the whole story because it would be too much to, to share in one slide. But um, basically this Lancaster fellow, he admits that he was in sin and that he was wrong. But usually at that point in the discipline process, they would repent and recant of their sin before the whole congregation. Uh, but he had something else to say. And he said, before I'm done with this, though, yes, I'm wrong and I'm in sin. But he said, I, there are other people in this congregation with other sins that we never point out and talk about, uh, like gossip, like this, like that. You know, and he talks about um, some of the congregation members who, you know, I buy a $5 fiddle and I'm, I'm accused of sin. But there are other congregation members, the rich who have $800 pianos in their home. And, you know, that, in that day, $800 was a big deal. You know, and he's, so he's calling out the wealthy, and he's saying, look at this hypocrisy. You're calling me out for having dancing at my daughter's wedding, and yet these women and these men have pianos in their homes, and they're playing them, and, and there's, there's no kind of discipline going their way. And uh, it was interesting... Because all of the conversation led to a great revival, actually, in their church and in their community, which, you know, it's, it's amazing what God can use. Uh, now, would we discipline someone today for playing fiddle in their home, you know, at a wedding and a backyard wedding and them dancing and stuff? No, I'd probably be there dancing with them, you know, so, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, but, but anyway, it's, um, it's interesting to see. Bruce Fout had yeah. his hand up. I think the part of it is the question is, do the practices and cultural traditions that we carry, does that influence the church and the church's decision? I think that's what the pastor was kind of looking at as well. Yeah, sure, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, I think the, my, my question was really, I wanted to go a little bit deeper, I guess, to, 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 to bless you, to define, you okay? To define, <laughs> to define Jim, uh, rightfully so, uh, went back to this panel and said that it was sensual and it was, how do you say that word? Lascivious. Lascivious. Okay. Man. What Thank exactly does that mean? Okay. Sexually orientated. Okay. M- meaning that, meaning that dancing the act of dancing, the, vi- the visualization of dancing at the wrong place, at the wrong time, in the wrong way, could entangle one into or cause one to sin. That's basically what his argument was. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. I don't know. Yeah, we... we yeah, we're going to go there. We're going to go there, but you can, you can yeah. talk about it. 
You can talk about it. into Jerusalem where it belongs. And so he's dancing and, you know, they're playing music and harps and mm -hmm. blowing yeah. horns and they're just having a great old time. Mm -hmm. And it's all for the joy and the glorification of God. Right. But his wife happens to be looking out of the window at him. And he, and, but in her mind, he's being lascivious and immoral right. by dancing and showing himself to the young maidens yeah. on the side of the right. street watching. Yeah. So in her eyes, it was immoral, but in David's eyes, it was celebration to the Lord. Right. And, and, that, and that's the exact point. Exactly. Because that's the exact point salvation I was trying, trying to make. And, and godliness comes from the heart. So I might be doing one thing that you might be thinking is wrong, but in my heart, I'm, joy, I'm in joy yeah. and celebrating and glorifying the Lord, and yeah. you think I'm doing something wrong because in your mind, you're the one that's sinning. Not me. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's really good, Jim. And that, that is where we're going. Um, yeah. so, actually, so that's the deal. The deal is, is that, you know, the nature of the dance, the speed of the dance, the motions of the dance, the, all of that can yeah. cause people to, their minds to wander in places where, you know, they, yeah. they, they don't need to go. And, you know, one of the things that I noticed about the video that you showed of the Jewish wedding was there were so many people packed in there um, yeah. you really didn't have a whole lot of room to see a whole bunch of people other than be right there kind of tight. So part of that was, yeah. you know, it's, it's just, I, I guess. And we talked about clothing, we right? Did. And, we and did. they were very well clothed. They were. And they were, they they, were. The way they were dancing was hands joined together for right. the most part, what I saw, and then going in circles. And very celebratory, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, a lascivious Right. Um, or anything like that. Um, it wasn't, you know, in my mind, it wasn't sexual. I mean, it was just they were holding hands. They were, right. you know, and going around in circles and enjoying right. well, just a wedding. The one point I'm trying to make before we continue is that in our culture today, and I know this for a fact because I've dealt with it, um, there's seen the mentality of if they sin, that's their problem, Okay. If, if somebody sins because of what I'm doing, that's their problem, not mine, okay? You won't find that in the Scripture. Right. You will not find that in the Scripture. In the Scripture, it is very clear. Christ gives multiple warnings. Paul gives multiple warnings that if something you do causes someone else to sin, it is greater than a millstone be tied around your neck and you drop into the sea. So, so... This is not something that needs to be blown off. Well, if I want to dance, I'm just going to dance. I don't care what everybody thinks. You, you can't think that way. You have to consider how your actions affect other people. I'm not saying that, that, that dancing's wrong. I, I dance. I mean, Angie, and, and if I, I mean, knowing what I know now, if you roll back the clock and I married Angie all over again, guess what I would do after the wedding? dance yes because she is my wife and she is the one person on earth that i am sanctioned to do what with dance right dance. so so yeah. it's okay but but i think that that some of the things i know some of the things that i participated in before i was a christian and some of the things that i see young people participating in today is not healthy for them to be doing that's all i'm trying to say is is that this issue is is it's not something that you just need to laugh off and think that it's a joke. Yeah. It's something that you really need to take seriously, which is why this person asked this question, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so yeah, we are going to, and if you have your Bibles, uh, uh, we're going to go to 2 Samuel 6, uh, 16 through 23. And just to kind of give you a little bit of context and all that, we'll just make a few comments uh, before we read the passage. In 2 Samuel 6, 16 through uh, 23, David dances before the Lord in celebration that the ark of God was coming to Jerusalem, just like Jim so eloquently uh, told us. After gaining the ark back from the Philistines in 1 Samuel 6, we are told that it was taken and rested at the house of Abinadab. The ark was being moved from the house of Abinadab to the center of Israel worship, uh, Israelite worship, Jerusalem. Uh, along the way, uh, we remember this, this really interesting uh, story. Uh, along the way, Uzziah, or Uzziah, uh, Uzza? Uzza, Uzza, Uzza. Yeah, that's what I would say. Uh, I can't talk tonight. Uh, is struck down by God uh, for touching the ark. 
So we see the seriousness of God's judgment, which by the way, we're going to bring that back in. So that's why we mention it. You're like, what does that have to do with dance? Well, we'll get there. Um, but Uzzah touches the ark because the, the ox stumbles and he, you know, grabs it and God breaks out against him as David uh, says. Um, and so kind of some interesting circumstances, even bringing the ark into uh, Jerusalem. As the ark was brought into the city of Jerusalem, David dances before the Lord in celebration. Leaping and dancing before the Lord is actually the language you used. Uh, Mikael, am I saying that right too? Mikael, that's, that's what I always uh, say. Accuses him of being vulgar and shamelessly uncovering himself. Okay, so. And, and, the, and the thought there was that while he was moving around and dancing, that they were able to catch glimpses of, of him up underneath. His underself. Yes. If you want to. So it wasn't say it like he was out flashing people. Because, I mean, <laughs> no. I've heard people say that he. That he Dance naked before the ark. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say he danced naked, does it? I mean, I don't think it does. Right. So, so, so in the process of him moving and shaking and dancing and lifting up, I mean, you know what happens when you lift up your arms? What happens? Your shirt comes up, sometimes shows your belly and stuff, especially the, us guys that have these beautiful bellies, amen? <laughs> um, and so, so when that happened, it sounds like that you were able to catch a glimpse of, of the private area of David, and so that's why, that's why this has been so controversial. And probably, McCall, she, is, she makes the comment she does, which we're about to read, because she's jealous. So you'll, mm -hmm. you'll see that as we read the account. So, oh, go ahead, Jack. Because they were they were initially moving the ark yep. against God's command. Yeah. And with the cart, once once Yusa died, then they, they they got the poles and they they strapped it and they picked the ark up like God intended it to be carried and they carried it the rest of the way into into Jerusalem. Yeah. And yeah. That, and that brought out the joy in David. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Because there's a moment there of awkwardness. Because they were honoring God at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Where, 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 where before they were moving it like it wasn't supposed to be moved that way. It was yeah. it, it was instructed by to Moses how it was to be moved. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 it, and that's the way. Well, it's interesting. That's the way the Philistines, right? It's interesting you mentioned that. That's the way the Philistines. We we just mentioned that the Philistines were the one that took the ark, and then they and then all this crazy stuff happens to the Philistines, and they're like, "Get that thing get out that of here! Get out of here, man! Get it out! <laughs> yeah, we don't want it!" You know, and so they send it back, and they send it back on a cart. You know, and so that's a really good observation. And yep. so all of this, great point, Jack. All of this is to celebrate uh, God and the ark, which represented what. God, God's, God's presence, presence, presence yeah. right, coming back right. Uh, to Jerusalem to the people of Israel. So uh, very neat. So let's let's read it the account here, uh, starting in verse sixteen. As the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, the daughter of Saul, <coughs> looked out of the window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts and distributed among all the people, the whole multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins to each one. Then all the people uh, departed each to his house. And David returned, bless, uh, returned uh, to bless his household. But Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today, uh, uncovering himself today before the eyes of his servants, uh, his servants as female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above, right? <laughs> above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel. The people of the Lord and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this and I will be abased in your eyes. But by, the, uh, by, but by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no child to that, uh, to that day uh, of her death, or to the day of her death. Okay, so the case of 2 Samuel 6 
16 through 23. Just a few points to, to point out here. Uh, was it wrong for David to dance before the Lord as the ark was brought uh, into Jerusalem? Um, Michal certainly thought so, right? She was uh, pretty angry about this. But what is, uh, what's God's verdict, okay? That's what we want to get to. That's the most important thing here, that we, we orient our hearts toward God and ask him uh, how he feels about this situation. Uh, notice David is uh, said to be dancing before the Lord. You see that in verse 16. David was most likely in front of the ark and uh, what was so important uh, about the ark? What was it that was so important about it? Again, we've noted this already. God's presence. God's presence was, uh, was in the ark, uh, on top of the ark, at the mercy seat. Also recall what happened to the last person who did something around the ark and ended up being put to death by the Lord. It was that that we noted just a minute ago. Uzzah, right? And it, I, I think that this is an interesting connection. And, you know, I'm just taking a little bit of pastoral license here. Uh, but I think it's interesting to note that if you, if you fool around... Uh, and you uh, offer worship that's unacceptable to the Lord in his presence, that's a serious deal. And, uh, and the fact that God didn't break out against David in this moment, I think is very telling. Uzzah, all Uzzah did, we would say, right? All he did was he grabbed the ark. And this represented the pure holiness of God in all its rawest form. And he touches it, and he can't even touch that, and he dies. And so I think it's important to note that David doesn't just get completely obliterated in that moment. Um, it must mean that he's doing something right. Also, uh, if David was worshiping the Lord in an unfit way before the presence of the Lord, uh, he may have been consumed or put to death. Recall what happened to the sons of Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu uh, when they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. Do you remember what happened to them? They were completely consumed by the holy fire of God because they, they offered this unauthorized um, offering before the Lord. And so, again, we can't think of this as too far off. David is offering some kind of worship to God here. He's, he's before the ark, right? The presence of God is there. It literally says that he's before the presence of the Lord, right? He's before the Lord, and uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't get consumed. And so I think that's important. Uh, notice how David was dancing. He was leaping and dancing, verse 16 says. Michal says that uh, it was vulgar and revealing. So is he, is he doing a waltz-like dance? <laughs> no, right? He's leaping, he's jumping, he's dancing. He's pra what was that? Pra praising? Yeah, he's praising. Um, he's very ecstatic. It would be like trying to, in modern times, it would be like a man having on a bathrobe and trying to sprint across his yard. Yeah. Full speed without holding the, without holding the strap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this Somebody is, would call the cops. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Don't you think? Probably should. Or, or maybe he went out in his bathrobe and he just got a phone call that he won the lottery, you know, and woo. then he's, yeah. you know, woo, you know. That would definitely, <laughs> definitely cause that thing to come undone. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Or we picture the uh, the father of the prodigal son, right? You know, it wasn't acceptable to run. Uh, you know, a a devout, uh, godly man uh, that was well respected would not run, and he did. And so that expresses his love, of course. Um, in David's response, he is not afraid to say that he will become even more undignified in his celebration. You think that's bad, Mikal? I'll get even crazier because I love, and here's the thing, there's a caveat to that because I love the Lord. And he, he says it in so many words. I mean, if you go back, actually, I think I have it quoted up here, hopefully. Yeah. Um, in his response, if you notice from David's response, he says this, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord, and I will what? 
Celebrate. I will celebrate before the Lord. Mikal, you're not going to stop me from praising my God in the good thing that he has done. You should have joined me in praise. You should have joined me in worship. Was I crazy? Yeah. And I'll become even more undignified than this. But you should have joined in on the party and the celebration and the fun, and you didn't. Your heart was bitter and sour. This would be a great, uh, you know, a great case for, you know, seeing someone whose heart has turned bitter, um, because hers certainly was. But he says, and I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this, and I will be abased in your eyes, but by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. Mm -hmm. David's heart was set on the glory of God and celebrating the joy of God's presence coming to the center of Israelite worship. His focus was completely on praising God with all his heart. We've talked about the heart already and how important that is. Um, one factor of dancing we have not yet considered is the question of motivation, okay? Um, at least in our slide, we haven't really talked about it. We've hit on it a little bit as we've talked uh, when we talked about the heart. But motivation, why? Why are we dancing? Uh, and would that uh, motive be glorifying to the Lord? So... So this brings in a whole different uh, uh, mode of thinking. Why am I going to this place uh, where dancing is happening, where celebration is happening? Um, you know, if I'm going to a club, why am I going to a club? That's probably not for godly reasons, and so we need to really, you know, work on our hearts with that, right? But if we're going to the house of the Lord, and, you know, let's just say the congregation uh, is okay with being excited about God and, you know, maybe tapping the foot and, you know, maybe, you know, jumping up and down a little bit and clapping their hands. And so, um, you know, the heart motive there, what is it? It's to worship the Lord. And so this is the, the really the key and the important uh, note here. Uh, last of all, notice God's response to Michal. Based on these observations from this occasion, we have to say that David was not wrong or in sin for dancing. In fact, we actually have to say he was right for dancing. Because what does God say to Michal? Or what happens to Michal that, that clearly shows God's disfavor? Barren. She was barren for the rest of her days. Right? Mm -hmm. It's wild. Uh, tragic. Jim had his hand up. Tragic, tragic. Sure, man. Sure, absolutely. The motive? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think next time we're going to invite Jim to come up here with us. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, and and actually, that's that's right where we're going, Jim. That's why we're going to have you up here next time. Yeah. Um, uh, so, again, to the heart of the issue, uh, and I, I think we'll probably, we can end on this slide. I think it would be fine. Mm -hmm. um, Exodus 15.20 uh, is another example of commendable dancing before the Lord. So let's talk about commendable dancing first. So if you have your Bibles, you can go there if you want. It's up on the screen as well. For when the, uh, for when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the uh, prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. So they're shaking the tambourines and they're dancing, and they're praising God for the fact that he defeated their enemies. 
And so this is acceptable worship for God, to God uh, in the form of, of tambourine, music, and dancing, right? And the motive here, so we're looking at the heart of worship, right? And so the second half, we're going to where Jim went there. So, uh, so we see here in the heart of Miriam and these women, they want to express a song of praise to God. And, and it's a beautiful thing uh, to, to worship the Lord in that way, to dance uh, full of zeal and excitement for what God has done. For them, And then you see uh, in this other passage in Exodus 32, however, later in Exodus 32, the same people are judged for dancing. Why? Uh, we see it here in verse 19. And as soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hands and broke them at the foot of the mountain. We don't have enough time, but we, if you went back and looked at verses 1 through 10, it talks about the motive of the people, why they had this golden calf built. Basically, they felt like, well, Moses has abandoned us. God has abandoned us. We're going to fashion for ourselves a God that will lead us, right? They, they want, what, what do they want in that? That's a good question. Something to, see. something to see. Okay, so their hearts are yearning for something that they can visibly see, right? They didn't see Moses come back down, so they were wanting to fashion their own answer. What else? Let's go a little deeper. What else did they want? by fashioning a golden calf and saying, well, Moses has deserted us, and so, so we need someone. We need something else. Huh. They made it their God. That's right. They made it their God. What about security? Right? You think they were longing for a little bit of security? Well, well they think, they're thinking back to, to Egypt. I mean, they want, they want, they want, they want the, they're, 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 they're trapped in the, I mean, from the moment they, they left out, they were, wanting to be back in Egypt. So I think that the memories of Egypt and the cows and the meat and the food and the plentiful, all of that, uh, the, the golden calf, I think, represents Egypt. Well, this is a good study for our hearts you know, because... Partially. I mean, some, yeah. I mean, I think you say that. Yeah, and I, I think it's a good study for our hearts because I think you're absolutely right. I think that you, most of the complaining from the Israelites in the wilderness, what was it? What was it about? What was the content? Food. Hunger. Food and water. <laughs> I mean, wasn't it? And, and, and then what would they always say accompanied with, we want food and we want water? What would they always say? Yeah, it's like I wish we could Egypt. go back to Egypt where Why we had you, the meat We followed pots. you all the way out here. We, we had it great in Egypt. Mm -hmm. We need to go back and what to is, slavery. And what was that for them? That was comfort. That was security. They're remembering those things. And they're, and they're depending in that moment on themselves. Because what's behind the face of an idol, right? What's behind the golden calf? It's really them, isn't it? They're depending on their own strength, their own control, their own power to try to muster up enough spiritual energy within them to, to change their circumstance and their situation. And it leads them to what? Dance. <laughs> to dance before this golden calf it was part of what they did. At least they chanted as well because uh, Joshua was like, Moses, what's going on in the camp down there? It sounds like some singing and some, you know, something. We're missing the party. <laughs> and then he gets down there, it's not so much a party. Yeah. But they're, they're crying out for security. Uh, they're crying out for comfort. And I think this is a really good point for us because when we think about, is it okay to dance in church? Is it okay to dance, right? We're kind of considering all of that. I think it comes back to our hearts. It comes back to, well, why are you dancing? You know, why are you and, and we, we could even take that a step further. Why are you raising your hand in the church? I don't think it's a sin to raise your hand in the church to the Lord. But if you're raising your hand and you're like, I wonder what these people think about me. Man, I bet they think I am holy. Then we got a real problem, right? Because it's like, you're not worshiping God at that point. Who are you worshiping? Yourself, Boom. right? And so again, uh, it comes back to the heart uh, of worship. Just like in Spider-Man when he says, it's the heart Osborne, okay, you just got to watch it. Um, but anyway, so, so it comes back to the heart of worship. Um, and lastly, I think we get to go through these psalms, and then we'll be done. Uh, psalms, I just want to read these, and then no more comments, uh, because these are so good. Uh, the psalms command dancing. Psalm 30, 11. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my uh, sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. Psalm 149, 3. Let them praise his name with dancing making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. Uh, Psalm 154, 150, verse 4. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Now, these are a call, right? These aren't just, now, now we're in the realm of, this isn't just like a suggestion. This is a 
praise him with these things, mm -hmm. with dancing and with these instruments. And so uh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing when uh, the heart of worship is expressed through musical instruments, through dancing, uh, unto our God. So that, we'll leave it at that tonight. We got, we got more, but that's where we'll stop. Could I add a Unless, point real quick? Yeah. You know, David's wife, there's a little backstory to her. You know, she was given to another man when David was a fugitive, if you go back to 1 Samuel. Yep. And then she came back to him. And they're not sure if she came back to him willingly. So she may have been, she was more concerned about how it looked on her versus what, how it was for David in the celebration. So her condition of her heart, you know, of course, we see what God did to her, but her, her condition of her heart was not in the right place. Right, right. And, yeah, yeah. And, I, and, I, and I think look at where she came from. You know, I, I think a lot of people think poor pitiful Saul, um, but I think when you really read Saul's story, there was wickedness there. There was a, a heart not really oh, yeah. set on God. Most and some people will say, well, all he did was like David, David like, I mean, had Uriah killed and like slept with Bathsheba and like baby died because of it. And it's like, like, you know, Saul's sins don't seem so bad anymore. And it's like, well, I mean, he, he the difference again, well, non-repentance, that's right, because of a hard heart. And David's heart was for the Lord. And he repented, right? We have that beautiful Plus song. Plus, he's God. He knows something about him. We, you know, we don't know, man. That's I mean, right. That, and, there, and there's the other God, deal, I mean, right? He's, he, he, he's God he and we're not. So. <laughs> That's right. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't remember who said it, but, you know, don't blame God with injustice unless you know what he knows. Yeah, that we right. don't know what he knows. And so I'm trusting him to do all that. That's it. Prayer requests? Yep. Is that I right? Okay. All right, here we go. Well, thank you all, everybody. And we'll uh, continue this probably one more evening. So and, don't uh, dance until we come back yes, and answer don't the dance. rest. That's exactly okay? right. We are not giving you, um, we're not giving you, you license to go dance. <laughs> Whoop. Maybe it broke and I'll never have to use it again. Probably be a good thing, right? There you go. Right. Go down here. Cool. Okay, uh, let's see here. You want to grab those? Yes. Um, okay, uh, Howard's sister, Miriam, uh, in uh, St. Cloud. Okay, I wanted to make sure I was saying that right. Uh, Florida. Um, eye of the storm, yeah, goodness. Um, yep. We'll be over her at 2 a.m., around 2 a.m. Yeah, please be praying. I mean, I think this is just a note. You know, we need to be praying for Miriam for sure, but just everyone that's going to be impacted by this storm. I mean, it's, uh, they're saying it's going to be pretty, pretty powerful. So, category four. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't heard a lot about it. Oh, it went the, down because they were talking about category five this morning. So it, okay. okay, so it dropped when it hit land. Yeah, Good. but still, I mean, category four. That's 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 a. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So please be praying for everyone for their safety and uh, and and you know rainfall as well that you know flooding doesn't doesn't uh, hinder anyone and harm anyone too bad. Um, let's see. I think John didn't put something about friend in Florida as well. Um, yeah, and then also uh, a note from Cherish. Uh, Janelle Moss, uh, she is going to be taking her realtor exam right. uh, Friday morning. And cool. so, you know, if you think about it, pray for her. And tests can be so anxiety-inducing. So, you know, <laughs> you know I just got that. I know, I just got done with. I, I was telling the story. I, um, uh, I think it was like maybe Friday night. I was sitting in my chair, and I was, I was listening to an audio book. And I had my laptop on my lap, and I was, so I'm doing work. I'm listening to an audio book. I'm trying to get ready for this exam. And, like, so the next thing I know, 6.30 in the morning, I wake up and my laptop is in my lap, earbuds in my... So, so don't ever think your pastors are perfect, because we're not. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> that's, that's where I found myself. Well, they, they, they wouldn't have called me if they believed that. Tests can be anxiety-inducing, so please pray yeah. for Janelle. And right, I've got Ed Garner. He's got a doctor's appointment tomorrow at 8 a.m. Hoping the x-rays will be good. You look great, brother. Are you feeling okay? Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, Linda, Linda Lucarini, as you know, she had a back fracture, so we're still praying for her uh, recovery. Right, Ron? Any? Okay. Okay. I don't know what there that was. was. That. And then uh, the hurricane, another one, another one on the hurricane there. So. Okay. All right. You want to lift them up for us? Yeah. Yes. Go right ahead, man. Do it to it. Join you me. Got, you got more on your oh, page, so. Yeah, yes. one more. Who? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Jim. Would you put them on the prayer sure. list? Absolutely. She's, uh, is she still in the hospital? 
Yes. No, well, she's not my husband. She's, she's at, um, she's at uh, Mayfield, <coughs> um, the memory care unit in Mayfield Manor. Okay. Or something like that. It's a nursing home. Okay. And uh, she's not doing well at all. In fact, the nursing home staff told Jimmy <coughs> that he needed to go home and not come back and stay all day long. Yeah. So. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. Yeah, that's sad. Okay. All right. Let's pray, guys. Lord God, we love you, and we thank you for tonight. Um, Lord, I, I think it's pretty clear what the answer is from the question tonight, but we're going we're gonna to keep talking about it. But Father, um, I think that you love it when we celebrate your name. In fact, we know, I know that you love it, Lord, and we've seen examples of that tonight. And God, I pray that instead of uh, pondering the question of, or, or having the fear and anxiety of, of, Lord, is it okay for me to express myself in worship in an exuberant way? God, I pray that we would be inclined to that. God, I, I feel like today we need more zeal in our church. We need more passion and excitement and, and joy. Lord, sometimes I feel like people come into our church and, and they think that we're a bunch of dead people, Lord, because we don't worship uh, as exuberantly as David did. And Lord, maybe we shouldn't do it that crazily, but Lord, I pray that we would worship you in spirit and in truth, but Lord, in a way that says we're excited. We're excited to come into your house. We're excited to worship you. God, I'm excited to come in to hear from your word and, and Lord, to sing songs to your name and because you're worthy. And Lord, we're just practicing, Lord, for that day that we're gonna be surrounding your throne and praising you for eternity. God, I pray that we would really have the heart of David and the heart of Miriam God, in the moment when she grabs the tambourine and she leads these women in song uh, to you, O oh Lord, who are infinitely worthy and deserving. God, I really plead that our hearts would be turned towards you in worship and that any dancing that we do, Lord, would be defined by uh, Christ-like character and, and really for your glory uh, at the end of the day, Lord. God, I pray for uh, all of those who are in the path of this hurricane and are gonna be affected, uh, Lord, not only just for their property, God, I pray for their hearts. I pray for their anxieties and fear. Uh, God, I can't imagine thinking that this massive storm is about to hit my home and thinking about my children and my family and maybe even extended family that, that lives close by and all of the worries and concerns that can come with that. And so God, I pray that your peace, which again, Lord, uh, surpasses all understanding, would cover, would guard their hearts is what you say in your word, Lord, would guard Miriam's heart. Would guard the families that, that John Denton knows, that, that would guard the families uh, that are in the path of this thing. Lord, and you would help them to remember and look up in a, in a moment of uh, anxiety and worry, Lord, over things that we can't control. We can't control the weather, Lord. We, we can control where we end up, Lord. I mean, some people may evacuate and that's the decision they have to make. And, and Lord, I pray that you would guide them in that. Help them to know, Lord, whether it's good to stay or to go or or what to do, and it's hard to leave home, and how long do you leave home, and will home be okay when I leave? And so, God, these are hard questions, and I really pray for those who are struggling with that. God, I even pray, I pray for the lost. God, there's so many people that are gonna be affected by the storm that don't know you, Jesus. And I pray that none of them would perish that don't know you, Christ. I pray that this storm would, I don't know, would be a means, Lord, for them to look up and to ask questions of you, God, and maybe have their hearts turned toward you to seek you. Lord, I pray that, that any fixing of homes that has to be done would be done by churches, Lord, where they could see your glory and they could see you, Christ, and, and be turned towards you to receive you as Lord and Savior. God, because, because a few moments of pain here is nothing compared, Lord, to a, an amazing uh, eternity of glory with you, Christ. And so I really plead with you now, Lord, please be with those who are in the path of this storm. I can't, I can't plead it enough. And I know that you see them and that you're present, you're close at hand and that you'll be there, Lord, that you care for them. Lord, I pray for Janelle as she uh, goes toward this test. Um, Lord, I, I know when I'm, I'm approaching a test, Lord, it's, I'm counting down the days. And I pray for her that you would give her an extra spurt of energy because we always say that there's the next day, oh, I'll put it off to the next day to really get hunker down and study hard. And Lord, and then the next day comes and it's the day of the test and, uh, and we haven't studied as well as we had hoped. And so I pray that you would give her diligence, Lord, that you would make her a hard worker, that you would help her to um, be a worker as uh, approved unto you, O Lord, 
that she would put her hand to the plow and, and really work hard to, um, to, to get a good grade, Lord, to be a good representative of you. I pray that you would reduce her anxieties. And um, Lord, at the end of the day, I pray that you would help her also to just know that she's in your hand no matter what the grade is, that she has your mercy and love no matter what the grade is. But I do pray that it would come out well. Um, Lord, and, and I pray for Thelma Carney. God, would you please be with her? Would you be with her and Jimmy, Lord? Would you help them and guide them? Would you help them to see you, Christ, in the midst of this? I know she's having major memory issues. The Lord may be, as a, as a sweet mercy, Lord, she would see you, and, and she would remember, Lord, uh, your, your glorious truth. Lord, the fact that you came to save and redeem, and Lord, that that would be a comforting thought for them, oh God. Um, and Lord, I do pray for Jimmy that you would help him to turn to you, Christ, and to, to depend upon you, to seek you out with all of his heart, and, and to do what needs to be done, Lord, in the midst of that, Lord, I pray. Um, Lord, I pray for Linda and her back. God, we, we, uh, our hearts go out to her. Help us to bear her burden, uh, to know how we can care for Ron and, and Linda um, as she's going through, I'm sure, uh, pain and suffering in this moment. God, I pray for her and that her recovery would be quick. God, I, I plead that, Lord. Um, and then I pray for Ed Garner's doctor's appointment. Lord, would you be with him? Uh, Lord, we, we love our brother Ed. And um, God, would you protect him and Judy from worry and anxiety and just to trust you, Lord, because you are so very good. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for tonight. It's in your heavenly name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good night, everybody. All right, guys. Good night.